So good morning, everybody. Kind of a sparse crowd this morning because yesterday we had First Communion. About 12 of our young people making First Communion for the first time. And so instead of giving the same homily I gave yesterday, which basically dealt with YouTube videos of raccoons eating grapes, you can listen to it. I hope I did record. We're going to do something maybe a little more for adults today. And so the gospel is Jesus talking about the vine and the branches, one of the most famous passages in the gospels, really focusing on our connection with Jesus and how we draw strength, we draw power from him. And the father is the vine grower and he expects us to produce fruit, fruit that will remain for eternal life. Now, presumably, the vines that Jesus is talking about are grapevines, grapevines and the grapes gathering in the big clusters. And so while we are pretty used to grapes and eating grapes and watching videos of raccoons eating grapes and other foods, this is not what grapes generally were meant for in the time for Jesus. Yes, maybe they made raisins out of them. But grapes were meant for, in the large part, the making of wine. And so this is the adult talk. We couldn't talk about wine with the kids last night, but we're going to talk about it today. Grapes were grown primarily in order to make wine. And in the area of Palestine, Israel today... Wine was a very big production. They loved their wine as often people in that area do. But there's a process to make wine. The fruit isn't really valuable until it becomes wine, and it doesn't just automatically become wine. There has to be a process. The process of winemaking, which has basically not changed much in the thousands of years leading up today. And so what I want to do is focus on one aspect of that wine-making process, because ultimately the fruit is about making wine. That's why we're in connection to Jesus, that we're supposed to become a good vintage, a nice, rich, dark red wine. But you can't get wine, good or bad wine, unless you crush the grapes. The grapes have to be crushed in order to get the juice. And so while today there is this big mechanical process, very, very efficient to be able to produce wine, that's not the way they did it at the time of Jesus. Many of you may know this, whether it be in Greece or in Israel and Palestine, the way that they made wine, or in Italy for that matter too, was with their feet in a wine press. And you can go online and you can sort of see ancient wine presses. They would dig a hole in the ground, usually sort of a fairly large square, and often put mosaics on it to show it's very nice. And after they had harvested the wine, they, the grapes, they put them all there, and they get some people, hopefully clean their feet, and they would go and stomp on the grapes. You wouldn't use shoes, I found out, because the shoes would crush the seeds and would make them bitter. But still, you'd crush all of the grapes, kind of stamping on them back and forth, back and forth, and all of the juice would run out, and it would be collected elsewhere through this little drain. 
And so in the wine press is described in the Old Testament as the wine press of God's wrath. But we're going to be looking at it not so much as a place of God's wrath, but a place of tremendous blessing and transformation. Because you can't get the wine unless you have the wine press and the crushing of grace. And so I think, as I said, this is something implied in the words of Jesus. Grapes are wonderful. Once you get to a certain age, nobody is going to take some Welch's grapes over wine. No one. Wine is much better. And so Jesus is talking about producing the fruit in the minds of the people in that time. They would have said that fruit is there in order to be able to come and be made wine. So if that's the case, how does that transfer to our own lives? How does this process, particularly the wine press, transfer to our lives? That we're going to produce fruit. Yes, the ultimate goal is wine. But in order to get there, we're going to have to be crushed. Here's where the fun goes away. We're going to have to be put in that wine press. Not necessarily the wine press of God's justice, but of his love. His love that often though entails suffering. The true wine press is the cross. We're all going to have to face the cross in our lives. Some form of suffering that helps that transformative process so that we can produce The true goal, which is a good, rich, hearty wine. The problem is nobody likes to be crushed. Whether it be by a machine or by someone's dirty feet, the wine press is not fun, but it's necessary. It's necessary. And nobody likes suffering, particularly we don't. I've talked about it a lot over the course of the past decade. Nobody likes suffering. And so for us, in order to avoid suffering, we can... Take the Advil. We can go and, you know, take some medicine, go to the doctor to alleviate it. And that is all a very, very good thing. But the truth is, that type of suffering that is really transformative isn't necessarily physical suffering. Suffering that comes from being sick or being tired, something else different. And I want to make a distinction that I think is often not made when it comes to considering and contemplating this reality of suffering. Yes, there's suffering that we have to go through. It could be physical suffering, it could be mental suffering, it could be emotional suffering. You drive on the interstate on a weekday, you're going to encounter suffering. But that's just suffering that's there, and yeah, we can take it and use it for some good. But the type of suffering that is the most fruitful And the time for the suffering that really is the suffering of the wine press is suffering for the sake of the gospel. Suffering for the sake of Jesus. This is the wine press. This is the true suffering that the gospel really highlights. You read it through the Acts of the Apostles and the writings of St. Paul. Particularly St. Paul shows us this. Paul went through a lot of suffering. We hear it in the first reading. This is a young Paul now speaking the gospel and what happened. As he tended to do, he made people mad and they wanted to kill him. This is suffering for Jesus. Now you don't necessarily want to provoke people, but read the Acts of the Apostles. Read the letters of St. Paul. Around Christmas time I read this great biography of St. Paul by N.T. Wright. 
This man suffered. But most of the suffering was for the sake of the gospel. Whether it be persecution or shipwrecked or whatever it is, it was all during his missions. Being thrown in prison, being beaten, having the, the church in Corinth turn on him and stab him in the back. He went through a lot of suffering, having a riot where 50,000 people wanted to kill him. But he did it and he endured it because he knew it was a part of the share in the sufferings of Jesus. He was doing it for and with the Lord because he was standing up for Jesus. This is the wine press. Now, granted, I'm not saying that we need to go make 50,000 people mad and want to kill us. But if we're doing it right, we are going to upset people. We're going to not make everybody be our friends. And for Paul, all of that suffering, whether it be the persecutions or the things that he had to go through, was all a cause for rejoicing. Go read the Acts. They're thrown in prison and they're singing hymns. They're getting beaten. And they're saying, this is so wonderful. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to suffer for the name. And I found that this type of suffering for the gospel is the one that nobody likes. In fact, we sort of convinced ourselves, and this is the topic of a whole different homily, that if we're truly doing the Lord's will, everyone's going to love us. It's all going to be easy. Prayer is going to be full of great feelings, and we're going to, everyone's going to make, believe everything that we tell them we tell them about Jesus. But that's not the case at all. The wine press means that we have to go through that darkness, those trials, that suffering, and it's unpleasant, but there's a purpose to it. And that purpose is so that wine can be produced. So what is this suffering? What does this being crushed actually lead to? Why is this valuable suffering, particularly for the sake of the gospel? Is because, we're going to wrap it up, we all know this in our own experience, true suffering, suffering accepted, suffering that we even potentially can rejoice in as hard as it is, teaches us to be humble. It, it crushes us. Ultimately making us not reliant on our own skills, but allowing the Lord to make the grapes juice delicious that he is the winemaker he is the one who has the yeast and all the concoctions and everything that is able to produce the great wine we can't do it ourselves and so the more that we learn to let go and let the lord work through us and rejoice that he's working through us even though it stinks most of the time we're going to have good days but we are going to have to endure that cross because we need to learn humility, myself included, to learn to let go and to let the Lord be the one who produces the wine in his own way, in his own time. Because then, once it's all fermented, and then once it's put in the barrels, you got to wait. Some, we're going to wait a few years, some a lot longer, until we have that right vintage and it's time to drink the wine. And I think we can all see this in the lives of others. People who are older, a great vintage. You can have some that are pretty bitter. They've gone through a fair amount of suffering, but they haven't given it over to Jesus. And so they can be crotchety old men and crotchety old women. But there's some that you encounter who are older, maybe some who are sort of old, who are filled with love and kindness and wisdom. 
nine times out of ten, they've suffered greatly even though you may never know it. That vintage that's been produced has been produced through the wine press. And so as we continue during this Easter season, just because we celebrate the resurrection, the apostles were living the light of the resurrection, but they were not shocked and surprised when they had to be crushed. And so we shouldn't either. Because the ultimate goal is, during our life, and particularly the end of our life, we'll be able to go to the Father, not just with a handful of grapes, with a big, nice magnum of red wine that is rich and delicious because it has passed through the wine press of Christ's love. Amen.